Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 615 Podcast. It has been quite a while. I will admit, I'm kind of uh, slacking on getting these episodes out. But let's be honest, y'all are not sitting around waiting on new episodes. You're just checking it out whenever I drop one. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, today, I'm actually going to um, be a guest on one of my friend's podcasts. He's actually the editor of my podcast, has his own, um, Jim McCarthy. His podcast is What's Your Problem, where he talks to you know local people and figures out what's under their skin and what's bothering them and uh, how, to, how to get past that. So... Um, Here's me on his episode. I hope y'all enjoy it, and uh, we'll have some new things out here uh, in the near future. So thanks again. This is the 615 Podcast with your host, veteran realtor and entrepreneur, Nick Woodard. Hey, what's your problem? You have business problems? We have business solutions. Well... Maybe. Life is a fight. It is. In business, every day is a fight. So true. So, hey, what's your problem? It's always something like phlegm in the throat. Yes, this is the What's Your Problem podcast. Thank you, John David Wells, for the big voice announcer. Check him out on Facebook at the Wells Report. He's out of Dallas, does uh, news talk radio down there. Great friend of mine. This is a podcast deriving from the Big Dot HQ in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Check us out at BigDotInc.com. You'll be able to get to both uh, actually growing into a third arm. Not even sure what that means. A third branch, if you will, for the uh, entire uh, service-related business here that we have. What's Your Problem is a podcast that is about Middle Tennessee business owners and professionals who are having problems. If you're a business owner in general and you think you don't have problems, maybe you're not a real business owner, possibly, because it's always something, always. I'm your host, and that's not being negative, it just is, and as soon as you figure out it's always something, it just gets better, it just happens. I am your host, Jim McCarthy, with JimMcCarthyVoiceOvers.com, and today we've got a awesome guest in the studio. He's a podcast uh, client of mine. I produce his podcast called the 615 Podcast. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Let me turn the thing on. Mr. Nick Woodard, sir. How are you? What's up, buddy? Good thanks, to be here. Thanks for coming down to the uh, compound today. Absolutely, man. Appreciate so, you for having me. Nick is a real estate agent. He is a window cleaning business owner what's the what's the business i am um my my window cleaning is mosley window cleaning named after my bulldog mosley (laughs) that's good inspiration why not (laughs) we're gonna do something real quick and get the show underway this is called the random five brought to you by miss uh angela profits um gsd academy let me see if i got my thing pulled up here i'm pretty sure i do there it is I'm somewhat organized. Nice. Check out GSD Academy if you want to get your business life, you want to buy back some time and super organize your life and block out time. It's a great system to go through. Check it out. Links in the description. 
Angela Prophet runs it. She talked about when she was uh, on the show with us a few weeks back. All right, here we go, Nick. Let's do it. Who or what do you always have time for? Who or what do I always have time for? Yes, sir. My kids, man. I figured that was going to be my the, kids. Uh, that's that's that's, a, that's like a gimme, right? Absolutely. What do a lot of people hope will happen, but is just not going to happen? Ooh. <laughs> man, we can go a lot of different directions. <laughs> you know what? I think a lot of people think that they're going to get to a certain place in life, and then everything's just going to be cruise control from there. That doesn't happen. That, that doesn't happen. It's always it's always a process. It's man. always something. Always something. Yeah. When was the last time you were snooping and found something you wish you hadn't? Ooh. I don't snoop, man. I don't. I'm yeah. one of those. If I don't know it, I don't want to know it. We'll go on to the next one. <laughs> It's kind of a weird question. I had one of these questions that asked, uh, what was the last lie you told? Oh, yeah, that's and That great. was really uncomfortable. Yeah, no. If you could talk to animals and they wouldn't understand, and they would understand you, but you couldn't understand them, what would you do with that power? Ooh, if you could talk to animals. But you couldn't understand them. Well, what's the point in talking to animals if you don't understand them? Well, there's your answer. There you go. I had a guy from a friend of mine tell me, I had this question pop up recently. He said, I would tell the squirrels to get off my porch. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Hey, I think this is the final question. I'd tell the fish to bite. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> if you were a ghost and could possess people, what would you make them do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on who it is. Now, I've got a couple really good buddies that I would just, I would do things to them that, that would be well, what, incredibly what embarrassing. Like who? Matt Bruno. What would you make him do? What would you make Matt Bruno do? Oh, my goodness. Bruno, I, what wouldn't I make Bruno do? <laughs> Fall down in public, uh, you know, drop things. Drop his pants. I mean, you name it. Anything I can videos? do to embarrass that kid. There's a series of videos out there with like a bunch of guys who are buddies. I guess they're in Australia. And if they're in public. I and, know what you're talking about. And they, they have to make <laughs> yeah. each other do stuff. Uh-huh. And if they don't, they completely get harassed. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, I can't remember what they say. But you're like, it's like dare time. And they got to go and do whatever. One of them's like, like, uh, fish flop or something like and they, they have to like jump in the pond <laughs> yeah you that or get completely naked yeah. and jump through you know run through town or whatever <laughs> it is pretty dang funny uh, so getting to uh start this whole thing tell me a little bit about where you because you're very entrepreneurial we have a lot of different entrepreneurial people on here over time how did that all begin for you well you know what i mean when i was a kid i used to have my mom go to Sam's down here and get big bags of Jolly Ranchers, and then I would break them down, sell them on the bus, right? Make profit on it. Um, kind of started there. I don't know. I've always just kind of had that that mindset. Baseball cards, uh, you know, went up. They went through college. Ended up getting into window cleaning. Kind of got through college, and then when I got out and got into real estate, um, the window cleaning thing kind of help me float the boat until I could get the business going. Right. And then once I got the business going, I kind of pulled it along with me. Right. You know, basically going, Hey, I know every real estate agent in town. So why not have a little business that benefits other agents and clients? Now I had a real estate agent on yesterday, David Miller. He's more known around here for Miller's thrillers. Which I don't know if you've heard Absolutely. of Absolutely. So he was, and still is, a real estate agent, but he really built the business out. I mean, I remember when I first came here in 05, 
Uh, I would see his pictures on on bus benches and things of that nature and billboards. And he had a way of marketing himself that really, he just was able to grab attention. And he would put his picture upside down. It would say, made you look and all this. Really just interesting. Nothing really innovative, but I mean, just really interesting stuff. But then he started doing the Miller's Thrillers things. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, that's a great way to market yourself. But I mean, you, so the window cleaning and the real estate are the two main things you do. There's got to be other things. Yeah, I raise kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got three kids. I, I coach football. Um, recently just purchased a piece of property that um, we're going to be going down there and building a cabin. and Personal? Business? All personal. Absolutely personal. You know, with what I do for a living, I, I absolutely love people. Right. I love serving people, love helping people, but also I like to get away. Right. Um, kind of get away, recharge your batteries, get close to God, kind of put it in neutral. Right. And um, I was very blessed to have an opportunity. What are some of the things? You, is it right in the middle of the woods kind of thing? For the most part. Is it? Yeah, in the in the woods and, and has a pond on it. Now, are you a fisher or big, are you a hunter? Big time fisherman. Fisherman. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I grew up fishing. Yep. My father was a huge fisherman. Never. It didn't seem to rub off on me, though. I love it, man. That's my getaway. Yeah. That's peaceful. It is, but but a lot of people think you just go and zone out. Nah, that's not me. You think? I think I'm I'm analyzing every little bit about it. About the fishing or about life in general? About the fishing. Because for me, that's lawn mowing. Yep, there you go. You know what I mean? You sit on you you stand behind a lawnmower and you my my son wants to start mowing lawns a lot more especially the hours. I'm going, I'm not sure if I want you to do you that. You don't want him to take it's over your time. time. Yeah. No. But now we got this property, it's 5 acres and we're probably going to take turns. Well, that's what I lawn. we get this piece uh, got this piece of property. I've been told you got to get a tractor. Yeah. Just to go sit on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The zero turn, right? No, I'm talking big boy tractor, oh, like a Kubota, John yeah. Deere kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, with a bush hog on the back. Absolutely. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Like, sorry, I, I maybe I got to go bush hog again. <laughs> God, it needs to be done. Why can't tell you? Absolutely. Uh, so you've been married for quite a while as well, too. I have. Right. I have. And you're going to put me on the spot. Um, Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Fourteen years, give or take. I always say since. <laughs> For us, it's since 2001. Yeah, second yeah. half of my life. Yeah. Second half of your life. Second half of my life. I've, I'm doing math in my head, so I forgive me. I, I was in radio. I'm not very good at math. So 13 years. Yeah, basically, I don't, I don't remember the first part of my life. She's been with me my second part of my life. I got you. There you go. So I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. You got, you got married at age 13? <laughs> Now you're 20. You're not. I know you're. Uh, you look like you're 26, but no, I know man. you're not. You're. you're, well, not, you're I, my 40th birthday is Monday. I was about to say. I mean, you. You. Yep. I know you were. I want to want. I don't. I don't want to cautiously say I knew you were <laughs> up there, but not as much up there as I am. There you go. Yeah. Now that that's uh, that was my gift to myself <laughs> by, buying this farm. My 40th birthday. How many I've acres is the farm? 42 acres. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Whereabouts is it? South of here. About an hour. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody where my hideaway is. That's almost like on the state line, isn't it? Close. Is it? Well, I'm from North Alabama. Okay. So I know okay. that area well. We just had uh, Mandy McLaren in here. She's uh, with Lowtown Brew. Okay. Loretto, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, me being the northerner, I kept on calling it Loretta. Loretta. She goes, I'm like, Loretto. She goes, no, Loretto. Loretta? <laughs> Loretta. Yeah, something. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Radio guy. Yep. So getting into um, uh, the, the window cleaning aspect of things and then getting into real estate. Mm-hmm. When did the real estate thing happen? 
Uh, it was has been in my family. My my older sister was a realtor out west, and um, when I got out of college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. But I grew up here. I've lived in Williamson County since I was seven years old. You know, this was quote unquote out there. Right. Um, cool Springs wasn't here. Hardly anything was here. When did Cool Springs really start building up? Late nineties. Well, it would have been mid to late nineties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So went to MTSU. Try to figure out what I wanted to do, so I figured hey, I'd dabble in this real estate thing for a little bit. And what was your major in college? Marketing. Yeah, yeah, I ain't gonna go anywhere. So I was that. gonna do this until I figured out what I wanted to do, and now sixteen years later, is that important to you? I mean, how was it? Was it harped on you when, when you were in school to know? Okay, you got to figure out what you want to do. Um. Yes, I, I had parents that were very great about kind of letting me figure it out. Right. Um. You know, you have the base education, and then you kind of figure it out from there. But both of my parents grew up in sales as well. Right. So it was kind of naturally a part of me. Of they just, understood you got to find out who you are. You got to have your self-awareness. But no matter what you choose to do, as long as you can interact and serve people, you're going to be successful. And, and that's what I learned from them. I think having selling as a skill you'll really do well. Sure. And it's not always selling, it's serving. Yeah. You know, if you have a a, a heart for people, you're going to be fine, whatever you decide to get into. And and having an ability to close them once you're done serving them. You know? mm-hmm. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Close is just lose without the C. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very deep. We, get, we get deep thoughts here. Very deep. I think I have, a, I have some sort of a... Uh, <laughs> we get into uh, deep thoughts. Get some nice music going. Get that Cavathier going. <laughs> so you've got, I mean, on your podcast, you've got a lot of uh, fairly high-profile people coming on with you. So how did that, is it just working your network and knowing yeah, people? Yeah, I mean, I grew up here. Yeah. Um, my wife's in the music industry. Right. So What does she know, do? She's a, a manager. She manages a girl named Jana Kramer. Yes, yes, yes. So, so Jana was one of the people you had on. Yep, Jana's uh, kind of a little sister to me, and uh, sometimes we we fight like brother and sister. Really? Oh, I love her. Absolutely love her. But it, it, the funny thing is we treat each other like brother and sister, and my wife manages her, so it's always fun to kind of put her in the middle of it. Did you know Jana before you knew your wife? No. No, we actually met Jana. Um, we used to watch... Don't tell anybody. Okay. But we used to watch One Tree Hill. Right. And Jana was an actress on there. Gotcha. And that's how, how Catherine met her. And Jana's from around here originally, too, right? Uh, no, I think she's from Michigan. Michigan? Mm-hmm. God bless her. Yep. Would not want to have to live there. <laughs> that's my, why she's here. Yeah. My brother lives up there, and I'm going, dude, what are you doing? Just freaking <laughs> pack it up and move down. And yep. he's got you know he's got longevity where he is up in Michigan doing lawyer stuff, being an attorney, partner in a firm and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got cement shoes on up there, for crying yep. out loud, with snowshoes. Well, it's just, you know, being from here, I mean, yeah. this is Music City, so our paths kind of bring us, you know, the, to these people, mm-hmm. and um, I really, you know, I don't work with just artists or anything like that, it's just they're one of... You the treat people. them like, yeah, you treat they're them like... They're all the same, man. Yeah, they put, treat they put, them all the same. They still poop, they still put their pants on one leg at a time, Absolutely. except when they do, they make gold records. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but it... Um, all across the board, clients, low end, high end, middle, everywhere. I like like doing it all. 
like doing it all. So, I mean, how long was the real estate thing happening for you? How long has it been going on? 16 years now. 16 years. 16. And 13 was something I was going to do until I decided what I wanted to do. Have you figured it out? No. What do you want to do? No. I'll just keep doing this for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else? Like, what's the end game? What do you What do you want to get to in the next five to I, ten years? I want to get to that cabin on my property down there. <laughs> and and you got a, that's a pretty far time f- timeline out i guess Nah, I, yeah i mean i i don't really have an end game just no. raise my kids and and we're here in williamson county and love it this is where i grew up where my wife grew up how old's your oldest kid kaden is 12 about 12. To turn 12 okay so you have yeah you're getting into that fun part of life oh yeah he's great yeah all of them i mean we're, we're out of that baby stage my youngest is um six about yeah. to turn no she's about to turn five so you have Man. Uh, two girls but two, two boys? girls and a, and a boy so oldest is the boy. Oldest is the boy. You kind of got it set up. Yeah. We're, you know, we're just out of that stage of having to oversee every little thing. Right. But now you got a whole different bag of stuff to worry about. Really do. Oh, yeah. So with that being said, I'm going to ask. What's your problem? Yeah. we got some production elements here. Nick, what's your problem, man? I got a lot. Pick one. I got a lot. Let's see if we can solve some. Uh, one of the big problems now, not just me, but everybody in the real estate industry here locally. Here locally, yeah. We have zero inventory. How do you contend with that? I mean, especially... It's tough, man. And you got a glut of agents out yes. there. Everybody and their brother. It's like, you know, the podcast revolution. Yep. You know, everybody hey. wants to jump in in a good market, and everybody thinks this is easy to do. Right. And well, you show three houses and they pick one, right? It's, it's, oh, you're lucky if you have three. Yeah. I tell clients now coming from out of state, you know, from the very beginning, the days of let's get in the car and go look at five or six houses, think about it, pray about it, make a decision. No, nah, that's over. Not right now. You're lucky if you can get one or two. I, there are, I have multiple clients right now that want to look at property that hit the market this morning that they've right. already closed it off. No more showings. Oh my gosh. And it's what, what are we at? Two o'clock? Yeah. It is uh, 2.30 right now. No, one crazy. Yeah. Now, I've got theories on this. Right. You know, I've, I've been in it long enough. I've gone through a couple different election cycles. Right. This kind of happens. Conspiratorial. It's not really, it's not really conspiratorial music that I'm playing. Let me try something else. All right. right I, can get in, I can get into some conspiracy. There we go. That's good. That's you good know, every election cycle, this right. happens. Um, people don't know what to expect with the, the next administration. Right. So a lot of people kind of hold on. Then you've got people flooding Nashville from out of state. And then you have the COVID crisis. You have, you've got the scare. People, those people that are truly afraid of the virus that may have wanted to sell their home no, they're not. They're not because they don't want anybody coming through their house. Well, you have that, and you have you know a situation like mine. Where would I go? Uh, exactly. You know, it's, and it's okay. So we have equity in our house. Great. Mm-hmm. We're going to still kick up our payment. Yep. Because houses are on average, you know, four or five hundred thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. And if we want to move up to something bigger, we got to spend six or seven hundred grand. That's going to really kick things up. You know, the house I grew up in, right smack dab in the middle. Of Cool Springs, my parents purchased it in 1987. Right, brand new, brand new, oh, wow. new construction, hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Back in 1987. Back in 1987. How big was the house? 
3,400 square feet. On an acre? Half, half acre lot. Half acre lot, okay. Prime, prime real estate right now. What's It's uh, crazy. The, what are the comps in, a, in that neighborhood? Uh, they got to be seven, seven or, or more. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. This is what happened in Connecticut. Yeah. Everybody in, in from New York started moving to Connecticut yeah. back in the 60s and 70s. And my parents, they both grew up in uh, Yonkers and the Bronx and uh, didn't want us growing up in those areas. Right. So they moved us to Connecticut. <clears throat> they built a house uh, in Danbury, Connecticut, bought another one when I was about a year old. And... Uh, it was it, when I got into radio. It was almost hopeless to think about buying a house because a I was in radio and wasn't making anything, right. and b all the houses were. It, it was like this scenario right now. It's concerning. It really is. I mean the the starter home now. I, you're lucky if you can get in four hundred really in Williamson County. But that's that's an you know. But if you look at some of those shows that they have out there, what are the you know? Well, let, you know, I'm an art. <laughs> You know, analyzer and my wife yeah. you know, administers uh, medication to pets. Budget two point five million. million. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's what do you guys make? You know, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's it's a it's don't trust Hollywood. I right. mean, <laughs> yeah, all those. You almost got to wonder if they do all. that on purpose. Of course. Yeah, it's crazy. So getting into this uh, into this market is a little bit tough at the moment. If you're a first time home buyer or just a home buyer in general. My solution, and I brought this up to um, some other you know people that we know in the business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what about selling land and encouraging people to buy like a fifth wheel and just live in the fifth wheel for a couple of years? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. But you tell me where you can find land in Williamson County. That's the other thing. I That's guess. the problem. Yeah, even land is at a premium. Absolutely, I've got clients that uh, you know want to do a thirty-five hundred square foot custom home on an acre. Right. They have over a million dollars to spend. Nah, it's not doable. You it, so they don't have enough money to do it. The cost of the actual land right. and construction cost, the builder's not profitable unless it's up over one two, one three, one four. Now, are we talking within a 30, 40 mile radius of Nashville, or what about getting out beyond that? You no, know, getting out beyond that, you're you're going to have more options. Um, I'm talking basically where I specialize here in Williamson. Right. Uh, you know, you get into to Rutherford and in Murray County. There's more option there. But I think Williamson is pretty full. <laughs> They're full. I mean, yeah, maybe a lot more West, it was when I was growing up. West Williamson, you've got Fairview and that whole area mm-hmm. over there. So I mean, at least you can. Start heading that way, right? Yeah, and then you got the east side where I am, and in, in Nolansville, and it's it's you know, done. We're at capacity. Nolansville was building up when we moved in. Nolansville was where I used to go to hunt. Wow, way out in the middle of nowhere, right? And now it's one of the one of the fastest growing cities. Well, Spring Hill was the same. Spring thing. Hill yeah. exploded. Columbia yep. is going to have a renaissance. When I grew up. Um, you know, of course, that was the the Saturn plant and everything is what yeah. kind of started the whole Spring Hill movement. And a lot of people were concerned that, you know, once that plant shut down, that it was going to, you know, hurt the city. It exploded from there. I should have bought land when we moved here because I always had a notion. There's a town in uh, Connecticut called New Milford. And we used to, our, us locals called it New Mildew because that was kind of where all the rednecks lived and everything. And, you know, us What's being wrong from, rednecks. Well, I mean, up in Connecticut, it was, the, you know, we had red, rednecks up there, too. I lived in the country. I grew people, up in the country. man. I know. 
But I mean, I just, I just, we, there was a perception of sure. people from New Milford, <laughs> right? And we were from Danbury, so we were a little bit more, well, you know, Danbury, Danbury was, we weren't that bad. We were, we weren't <laughs> Greenwich. We weren't Westport or anything like that. We were, we were, yeah, we're Danbury, you know. So say, I grew up in Brentwood yeah. before it was Brentwood. <laughs> <laughs> See, Danbury was kind of like, um, eh, I wouldn't even dare to say Franklin. Danbury, I guess it was like Spring Hill. Okay. Right, Columbia. When we first moved here, because New Milford to us was like, you know, mayonnaise sandwiches. You probably had drug problems. Did you say man mayonnaise? Mayonnaise sandwiches. Yeah. Mayonnaise. You know, and you'd you'd make fun of people because you thought they were sleeping with their their siblings and stuff like that. Columbia was like that when we moved here in Mm -hmm. '05. It was like I said. Now's the time to buy land out there. Yep. Never did. Well, they always say when's the best time to buy land. Now. No, five years ago. Five years ago. <laughs> Funny story. Um, when we moved here, late 80s, actually, my dad just told me this story not too long ago, but he was approached by somebody that was coming into some hard times and, and had some land she needed to get rid of to um, you know, make, make ends meet or whatever. And um, I think it was about 20, 25 acres. And she wanted, I don't let's call it $1,000 an acre. Right didn't really matter folks didn't have the money right. um so my dad said man you know unfortunately i have to pass on it it's just not a good time um you know what they call that property now oh my gosh i, I i'm yeah i'm Bear, berry farm oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for those of you who aren't in the area it's one of the most uh, i would say one of the fastest growing areas in williamson county oh, the price per square is, foot is ridiculous yeah it's nuts really nice houses out there but I mean, you look at um, even in Vegas when we lived out there. We moved out there in '01, and it was pretty built up and developed because it really started to. They started pouring gas in the fire out there mid '90s, maybe late '80s. It's just, and it's so volatile. Yeah, the market's so volatile out, out there. there. It was yeah. yeah. It's just high highs and low lows. Like. Yeah. So when we bought out there, we should have bought in a an area called Summerlin. We ended up buying a house, and our first house was in North Las Vegas, but. There were people that would say, yeah, back in the 70s, where Rainbow and Sahara, one of the biggest intersections in town, with a car dealership and all sorts of developments on it, you know, really built up now. Like, yeah, you know, we had an opportunity to buy right. back in the 80s, This where that dealership now sits. We didn't do it. It's, it's hard to go wrong with land if you hold it over time. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's hard because it's, it's not a sexy purchase. Right. Yeah, you got, it doesn't time, cash flow. But on down the road. Yeah. <sighs> it's just an asset, but you got to make the payment on it. Well, and with everything going on in, in the market and politics and all that, you know, a lot of people are looking for other places to put their money. Right. Now, you mentioned politics. You want to talk about that, too? We can. <laughs> you may have to pull the reins back. I'll, I'll watch what I say. So you came in here and uh, you, you've, you've attracted people to your business by them seeing some of your Instagram posts. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned that, God, this was probably two years ago. Um, you know, I've, I've been a realtor for many, many, many years, but then I started to see everybody's trying to fit kind of the same niche. Right. You know, everybody's uber professional and. Or a coach. Or co- yeah. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was fighting with being myself. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a little rough around the edges. Right. But I've been doing this a long time. I know my stuff. I genuinely care about people. 
Right. So I just started being myself. And ever since I started doing that, my business has, has grown exponentially. Just, you know, don't don't be posting about, you know, this house here or that here. Post about going going fishing with your friend. Right. Or you know, going I'm a bit I'm a big gun advocate. Go you know, I've been posting stuff about me out with my friends just Range shooting. shooting, yeah, and I've had many people reach out to me, just like, "Hey, I f- you know, I feel like we we could connect." I'm moving here from, let's say, California. Would love to have you help us find a home. See, I don't really get all I, the reason why, and I had it's amazing because I had the same kind of conversation with Kristen. Um, I can't think of her last name. She was on the show, probably in the tens of episodes, or when we started out with this podcast. Um, she actually runs a company called She Shoots Training. Out in Nolansville, actually. Oh, that's great. I've actually heard of her. Yeah. Now that you say that. Yeah. And I can't believe I can't. Re- that's my old man brain. I can't remember last names. But her name is Kristen. Really, really awesome woman. Um, she said she's very public about how she feels about politics and different things and what's been going on. And I said, you know, I just I don't want to get into it with people. Yep. You know, I mean, I, you, you can pretty listen to me and get a good understanding of where I sit and how I think. But. I'm not going to put it on social media. You know what? A, you're never going to convince other people. And it's not your job to convince anybody else. It's your job to live your life how you feel you should live. Yeah. And others should see how how you live your life and want to be like that. Well, if you want to see Jesus. Yeah. And and exactly. And it's one of those things that it's easier to have those conversations in person because you can read the person, you sure. can see how they're responding. You can they can read your tone and interpret things a lot better than seeing it on a post. Absolutely, and comments going because all those comments turn into a shitstorm. Oh, it's crap storm. Never any good by posting politics on social media. Now, right. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. Right, I may not agree with you. You may not agree with the way I see things, but we can sit down and have a conversation man to man. Well, yeah, and it's. Uh, I think sometimes that happens, but I think um, the social media hammer has... Anytime you can make your opinion out there without having the repercussion of someone standing right in front of you, yeah, that's not good. You need to read a book called... Do you read, do a lot of reading? Uh, some. Some a little bit? Who are your influences that you kind of listen to these days, doing what you do? Um, there's, there's a couple podcasts I really like. Um, I do a lot of podcasts because I'm I'm driving around a lot. Right. Uh, the real estate marketing dude, uh, Mike Cuevas, right. he's really good. Um, of course, I listen to some of my my politics stuff. Right. But um, I, I I read a lot of the old business stuff. Right. You know how to win friends and influence. But yeah, go back to the basics. Go back to what was being said and marketed and written about in mid 1940s to 50. Mm-hmm. Because right now is we're about to go through that again. I believe so. Yeah, eighty I think years we've created cycles. a bubble of yeah. you know this whole not interacting with people during a transaction. Right. I pray that doesn't stick. You know, I can't handle this. You know, I've had clients where I didn't even meet them. Right. It's like they came from out of state. You do a a FaceTime, and the whole transaction's done. You know over computer and and the closing they don't want you at closing because of the virus and I, I i can't live that way now what was your reaction initially to the virus i would imagine similar to mine yeah i mean well at first 
Yeah, you got to give it some. Credence, yeah, you, know? you give it a second. The the crazy thing is, me and the family were out on a on a family RV trip, and we were out at um, oh Lord, what was it? It, it was a state park or whatever, and the rangers came rushing in there when the I guess the the governor gave the lockdown order right. and was just ushering everybody out, and they were going over to the to the uh, like playgrounds and uh, bathrooms and roping everything off and caution tape and I mean it literally felt like an apocalypse. Yeah, it did. Yeah, they scared the shit out of everybody. Right, right. <laughs> so I mean, the unknown at the beginning was a little scary. Um, everybody thought it was going to be two weeks and done. Because that's what they told us it would be. Right. Flatten the curve. Flatten the this curve. time last year. Just trust me, 15 yeah. days. Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. That's right. <laughs> but hey, you can protest. Oh, now we're getting deep. <laughs> Man, just to... You can obviously tell what side I'm on, but not, not necessarily sides. It's... I am very over the fact of the powers that be doing everything they can to create strife and separate people. Well, let me tell you why that is, Nick. There's not that much hate in this world. No. It's being uh, conjured up, and if you've ever listened to any of my shows or listened to some of the stuff I talk about, one of the books I always talk about is Pendulum. And we go back and forth between what we call a me- postured type society which zenith to 1983 and then it was a downswing 20 year downswings up and down and 40 year cycles which is very biblical as you all know mm-hmm. up into right right now we're about to live through uh, 2023 all over again or 1943 all over again in 2023 so very that's the gist of the book it feels like 1984 but 1984 oddly, oddly enough was a year after the zenith of a me. So a lot of the qualities, even though Orwell wrote about 1984 being dystopian, we're kind of, he was he was off by about 40 years. What we're about to go through is the darkest part of a pendulum, and it happens every 80 years. The last time it happened was 1940, 43, 45. Think about the time frame. Wow. World That's War fantastic. II. 80 years prior to that, the Civil War. And 80 years prior to that was the Revolutionary War. Very interesting. It's crazy. And everything, the the cultural attitude right now is, I'm okay, you're not okay. Well, and, and I had this conversation with my little brother the other day. I think we're at a place in life, in our country and, and world, it's not necessarily you're on this side or you're on that side. It's basically a group that is people that want to tell you what to do. And those people that want to be left the hell alone. Right. There's kind of, there's, there's no in between there. They want to dictate how you live your life. And then there's people that don't want you to tell, they don't want you to tell us how to live our life. Hello, I'm Shanae Grimes Beach and I moved to Nashville from Los Angeles about two months ago. Thanks to Nick. I literally cannot imagine having made this move without his help. We bought our house sight unseen and there is nobody that I would have trusted to help me make that crazy decision if it wasn't Nick. Honestly, our home is our dream home. It's something I couldn't have wished for anymore and it was in the most perfect, beautiful condition, just like Nick said. 
it was before we got here. Honestly, he made our dreams come true and I'm just super, super grateful. So I cannot recommend Nick enough. There's actually the tenets of a we, and I'll kind of talk about them here. So when you get into a we, you have um, the initial qualities that make up a we cycle. So from 2003 was a tipping point into where we are now. So 20 years ago, well, 17 years ago, was the tipping point into the upswing of where we are, the we. Initially, those qualities are Demands conformity for the time for the common good, applauds personal responsibility, believes a million men are wiser than one man, two heads are better than one, wants to create a better world, <clears throat> is all about small actions, desires to be a productive member of the team. I came, I saw, I concurred, admires individual humility and is attracted to thoughtful persons. Now, you remember when authenticity was a huge buzzword. Mm-hmm. I capitalized on that in video, helping people really be themselves on camera. And it resonated because people were tired of pitchmen and plastic spokespeople yeah. and yada, and actors and stuff like that. So the drivers of when, uh, but eventually we take things good too far. So for example, the upswing into a me happened in 1963, the initial tipping point, Right. Upswing weave me values were responsibility, humility, thoughtfulness, conformity, authenticity, and transparency. I'm sorry, that, that's the wrong one. Me, we'll do this again. Big dreams, individual expression, freedom, being cool, personal achievement, and rose-colored lenses. Think about the 60s. Yeah. The 70s. Okay, as we were going into an upswing, and it, as it zenithed, in 1983, which was, I was eight years old, hollowness, posing, phoniness, self-centeredness, guru worship, and depravity. Think about 1983, the hair bands. Yeah, that's the when there's all the attention, MTV right. was coming in, all, you know, yeah. So think about from 1983 to 1993, that was the first 10-year downswing of the me downswing, right? I was... Coming out of elementary school, getting into middle school, high school, I graduated in 1993. The music in the 90s was all over the map. It was. Yeah. It was just, we didn't really know what it really meant, but we still have some nostalgia to it. But a lot of the music had a, what was me, I'm not good enough kind of attitude, right? Well, that's when you had all the... Grunge. The grunge, and yep. I was about to say, Nirvana. And- Gangster rap and everything mm-hmm. that came out. Um, so the we values getting into 2003. Now, when we get into 2003, the early 2000s, nonwithstanding 9-11 and economic calamities that happened, if you look at just that era and how it was just nice. Do you remember it was like really just people got along generally? Yeah. Upswing. That's, that's what I remember the most of growing up. Right. That period of time. Me too. I was in Vegas. It seemed like everybody just, you know, we we're all on the same page, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Responsibility, humility, thoughtfulness, conformity, authenticity, transparency. Those were the big things, the cultural drivers. Now, as we get to getting to where we are taking it too far, that's the time we're in now. And this goes back to what you were just talking about, how these groups are so divided and everybody feels like they're right. right. And they're telling other people what to do. Duty. 
obligation, sacrifice, regimentation, self-righteousness, mm. and oppressiveness. Mm. This book was written in 2011 and researched for 10 years prior to that. Wow. And they take it back 3,000 years, man. It's crazy. So what I'm trying to say, have faith. This too shall pass. It's all cyclical. Yeah. It is. It really is. It comes back around. Now, my, getting back to what's your problem, um, one of my scary things, you know, I've got three young kids, and I'm trying to teach them the, the active responsibility like I was taught. Yeah. And I grew up in the, the era of, you know, you, you do good in school so you can go to college. Like, the, it, that was the understanding. Yeah. So now I'm looking at, God, do I even want my kids to go to college? That's okay. I mean, if they're you know, you're, they're going to these big institutions and they're becoming brainwashed, right? And you know they they're getting into all these uh, they're social being movements and all yeah. that. It's like I, I don't know if I want to send them to that because that's not that's not my morals, right? There, there's a brainwashing happening in general anyway with kids, no matter what time frame, what generation it is. We had exposure to things when we were kids that right. was the antithesis to what our parents wanted right okay that's just the nature of generations and if anything what we're experiencing right now heading into this time of taking things too far the zenith of a we is the next generation always comes in and pulls it back down because they get tired of how things were yeah all right and we're we, and the good thing is that we've got another six seven years of this unfortunately which may seem like a stretch but with kids the way i kind of go about it with college is look if you want to go, we'll find a way to make you to, to get you to go. I am not taking out a loan, and nor will you go into mortgage-sized debt yeah. to get an education that's going to be outdated and antiquated by the time you graduate. Well, think about this: when I went to MTSU, that would have been I graduated high school in '99. Yeah, Brentwood High School. Went to MTSU for I want to say four years, but it was really five. Right. That's okay. Huh? <laughs> I didn't even graduate. So. I think we were paying. Three thousand dollars a semester, yeah, give or take. That's about how much uh, came out debt free. Yep. Um, I was very blessed. Parents helped me with that. Yeah. But now you're looking at these kids coming out of college, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in debt, even more. With with a freaking arts degree, yeah. that you can't take that to the marketplace. Right. How are you going to make up that that debt you accrued? Well, that's the thing is teaching your kids how to think that way. You know, Cammy, my my oldest, is well. Where am I going to go to college? What do you want to go to college for? Right. Well, you know, I would like to do you know maybe some architecture. I said, okay, well, that's a good reason to go to college. Uh, the next thing is to figure out what college to go through and and what it's going to cost and how much will you make upon graduating from college? How long will it take you to pay back whatever it may cost? And you have to be able to if you're going to get a a degree and you're going to spend the money to do it. You have to have that same value in the mar- that you get out of it in the marketplace. Right. But they don't think that far. I know it's a it's akin to a business owner who doesn't have an end game in mind for his business. I need to buy all this stuff so I can right. Yep, right. And that's what feels good right then and there. They feel like they're doing something that's productive and leads to something. What needs to happen is the, alleviate the pressure off of your kids to have to make a decision about their life so early. Right. When you're 18, 19, Remember 20 I told years you, old. I don't know what I'm going to do for, for But you're, you're doing something. You, you, <laughs> you have a self-awareness. You know what you like and what you don't like. Right. Right. You know what I mean? 
I mean, what I'm doing, I love what I'm doing, but I know what I don't like. Yep. I've done it. Well, I'm also a firm believer that what you do for a living isn't necessarily what God calls you to do. Right. You know, you have other things that you're supposed to do, even if that's not how you make your living. Right. You know, you, you know, I love coaching youth sports. Um, I'm on the board of, of an organization called Hearts to Honduras, where we, um, you know, provide education and stuff to, to less fortunate people. That's my calling to do things like that. That's not how I make a living. Right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that what they do for a living it defines them. Defines them. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, if you think about all the seasons of life that you go through, even when you get into being preteen, teenager, there are elements about of life and things that you get into that are that define your purpose. You you have some sort of a purpose. For me, uh, at one point, it was radio-controlled cars. I used to build them, used to race them. Then I got into playing the drums. That was a huge identity. Identity is the word I was looking at. Identity and purpose. That identity helps you define who you are. Otherwise, who are you? Right. Sure. So throughout high school, being a drummer was a defining characteristic of who I was. Um getting out of high school and into college, which was an environment that didn't fit. It didn't make sense for me at that time. And I didn't succeed with it. So I had to figure something else out, which meant um, helping my father with his business. Uh, Even I sold patio furniture at some point. I mean, I did sold rainbow vacuums. I tried out a bunch of different stuff, which looking back on it was something you're supposed to do. Yep. It's springboarded to where you are now. You got more education from that then you would have been sitting in class. The collateral damage, though, was how it affected my my self-esteem. And I tell people all the time, I said, a lot of people don't know this about me or aren't aware of it or surprised to find out. For 15 years, I had horrible self-esteem based on what I did for a living Uh, because I did a very blue-collar job. You felt you should be above and beyond where you were. Right. I didn't go to college, therefore I'm a failure. Right. You know, because all my friends, all my peers in high school went to college, followed that path. And it wasn't until I had, it was almost like a class reunion, but not. My present, my now sister-in-law was somebody I went to high school with. And uh, my brother-in-law, they were engaged at the time, I believe. My, my my wife's brother dated somebody I went to high school with, so it's just weird. Um, <clears throat> she had a get-together one time, and we flew out to Ve- from Vegas to Connecticut, where I grew up. I went to this thing, and it was all people from high school that I didn't really hang around with. They were all part of the preppy crowd. I wasn't a prep. Really? But I hung, I hung around with, all, yeah, go figure. <laughs> I hung around with a lot of different people, though, in high school. I was kind of like that mingler. Right? Sure. I was the trench coat wearing mullet and metalhead. That was into Rush. So absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Now I know that. <laughs> but I run into who uh, the guy who was basically our class president back in the day, and he tells me, "He says, what are you doing? You know, good to see you. How you been?" I said, "Well, I'm, I'm working in radio out in Vegas. You know, it's not anything to write home about with a salary, but you know what? I I love getting up in the morning." He goes, I wish I could say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I followed the path. I did the college thing, found a career that would work, mm-hmm. and he hates his life. Yep. I, and I, I hate to bring this up, but now that we're, we're, we're going down this path, 
you know, growing up in Brentwood, you, by the world's standards, you could say these kids are given every single opportunity. Right. And a lot of the people that I grew up with, just like you said, went down that path of, you know, what they're supposed to do, quote unquote. Yeah. And now here we are 40 years old, a lot of broken families, a lot of addiction problems, a lot of, um, I mean, even, even depression. Wow. You know, because a lot of people went into what they thought they were supposed to do and didn't find something that they loved. Right. And when you get to be 35, 40 years old, and you look back, you know, did you did you do something you loved where you're making a difference or did you just do something that you could make a good paycheck? And I think now at my age is when it, it reality really hits you. Did you make the right decision? And I think there's a lot of people that come from quote unquote opportunities that are really regretting the path they went down. It's never too late to change. No, it's not. It's going to be painful. It's hard to turn the ship around, though. Yeah, but it can be done. You know, and I know a lot of people that uh, they force college on their kids, and it's nothing. You know, college, college, you got to mm-hmm. take the tests and all the ACTs, and you got to go for all the scot. It's like, my gosh, dude, take the pressure off. Yep. Let this kid find out who they are. And and especially in today's world, you don't understand the pressure you're putting on those kids that leads to a lot of other things. It does. And I, and I understand that the intentions are good. I'm not trying to say that a parent doing that is necessarily a bad parent, but I know what I know. And I know yeah. what, when you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole, that, that creates a lot of damage. It did it for me. I mean, like I said, 10, 15 years of, even when I was in radio and I knew that identity was what fit me at that time. And I was good at it. Yep. I looked at my life, the, the the KPI of success for me, how much money do I have in the bank? Yep. That's a KPI of success. So all of a sudden, uh, my program director was having his 40th birthday, I don't know, about 12 years ago. And, uh, hey, it's your 40th, hey, you know, razzing him and everything. He was a great friend of ours. And he seemed kind of just a little somber about it. I said, you know, what's, what's the problem? He said, I thought I'd be a lot farther down the road mm-hmm. by now, you know. When you're 18, you think when you're 40, you're going to have like 800 grand in the bank, you know, a couple million. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. I'm a walking testament that I changed my life at 38, 39 years old. I went into the car business of all things, getting out of the business I loved because I just hit the ceiling and into the car business. What the hell am I doing? Right. For the first three months of that, me doing that, I'm going, I'm, I'm not good at this. I feel like I'm failing. What did I get out? I can't get back in now. It's too late. I burned the ships. It had to make it happen. But what came out of that was my college education. That's yeah. what I tell people. I learned people skills. You learn how to relate. You learn how to pitch. Oh, which is sell. more important than anything. Totally. My, my, my father gave me the best advice ever <laughs> when I first got out of high school. You know, trying to figure out what I want to do. And he said, listen, there's three things that if you get these mastered, everything else will work out. Right. Show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do and take care of people. Oh, it's integrity. Integrity. Yeah. Everything you will, you will be successful at something if you just maintain those three principles. You're, you're going to go through a time with your kids and you're probably on the precipice. If you haven't gone through it, you probably, I hope you don't have to go through it, but it's almost like a rite of passage where 
everything that you say is uncool. They're not going to listen to you because it's, uh, what do you know, right? My daughter's 14. My dad got a lot smarter the older I got. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally do. You know, when you hit your he mid-20s. You didn't know shit when I was in high school. You don't need that. And the funny thing is, we don't realize right. we didn't know crap either yep. until a certain age. Yep. So my kids are going through, but the thing I'm constantly hammering on them is, look, if you learn a sales mindset, you'll be able to do anything. I know it sounds like freaking hogwash right mm-hmm. now, but in your mid-20s, hopefully you're going to say, no matter how I taught you or impressed upon you, you are going to find your own way to adapt that into your life, I hope, yep. and not buy the, and you understand that you are in a sell or be sold type of world. That's it. Someone's trying to sell you on something or you're trying to sell somebody else. My son, as I love him to death, don't get me wrong, but man, he has kind of embraced that ideology to a to our detriment. Yeah. Because he does find I ways and angles to get his way. And I'm like, that's what I want you to do, but you're getting annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop doing that with us. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's also like, I was actually talking to somebody about this today. Um, guys down work, working, cutting some roads in on the farm. They said, whatever happened to that mentality of figure out a way to get it done? Right. I don't, I'm going to tell you what I want done. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You figure it out. It's uh, what do they call it? Letters to Garcia. Uh, the premise of it is, and a friend of mine told us that I'm going to relay this completely botch it up. It's basically sending, you know, hey, I need to get this letter to Garcia. So he gives yeah, it to an yeah. intermediary. Yep. And it said, well, you know, hey, I couldn't find a mailbox. Well, did you solve the problem and figure out how to get the problem right. solved? Yeah, that's what you're talking about. And that's the, one of the main things I, I teach my kids along with those three principles I was telling you. You have to be able to problem solve. Yeah. That's your value in this world is can you solve other people's Boom. problem? Absolutely. I'm going to give that an electrical zap. Let's see. There we go. They give me a lot. Right. Two of that's, them. That's two of them, man. It's a, it problem, you know, money changes hands when problems are solved. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's to the point where I've hammered that phrase into my kids' heads, and I say, money changes hands when problems are solved. <laughs> I said, But you know what? That may stick out to them 20 years from now. Right. But I mean, that's sales 101. Mm-hmm. Okay. Figure out what the problem is. And if you could solve it, great. You're probably going to make some money off of it. And, and I also think, in today's age, you truly have more so than in the past. You truly have to have the best interest of that person, yeah. Because people know when they're being sold to. Well, be them centric. That's uh, the whole notion mm-hmm. of that. You know, it's people a, it's not do about not you. like, especially with social media and ads, and God knows how many things are thrown at you every right. day. People can smell that a mile away, right? And that's one thing I've always pride myself on. I don't really consider myself a salesman. I'm a connector. A salesman in the sense, okay, you have to set expectations. Even in your business, you have to set expectations because you're going to get some clients who come at you with unicorns. Oh, of course. I want a house that has all this stuff and I only want to pay 800 bucks a month. You want a 5,000 square foot house on an acre in Brentwood for $300,000. With the view and the pool. Hop in the DeLorean and let's go back in. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. But that's part of selling is setting that expectation and saying, look, you got to temper those expectations. And, you know, it's not exactly. A lot of that comes with experience, too, because back in the day, you know, when I first started, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes to make you happy. Right. Now it's okay. This is reality. Right. We're going to do everything we can to serve you right. But here's what's really available. Right. And you have to have expectations that match what 
is really going on. Right. Otherwise, you're disappointed. I'm disappointed, and it creates hostility. But have you ever find yourself in the situation where you know the house is right for them, but they're still kind of on the fence? Yeah, and and I'm a very patient person. Not in my normal life. Not patient at all. But with, with clients, I'm very patient. Right. And that's what makes this current situation so difficult for me. Right. A, I'm not a salesman. I don't. You know, I'm a firm believer in spending time praying over something, and if that's where God wants you to be then he'll make it happen. Right. But when something pops up on the market and it fits exactly what you've been looking for and there's 19 other people that want that house as well, you can't you can't mess around. And that's hard because now you're having to push people to make a quick decision on a massive purchase and that doesn't sit well with me. But right. that's the market. It is what it is. So you have to adapt and be able to help people feel comfortable with that in a rapid decision, which is very difficult to do. What are some of the creative ways more so you've seen these days that maybe some agents are employing to kind of weather this? Well, This is kind of a controversial thing and I don't know why it's controversial, um, but we've got this thing going on amongst real estate agents of writing a personal letter when you submit an offer. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a very personable somewhat emotional person so when and that's also sales one-on-one when you tie some sort of emotion into the transaction it's usually a better situation for you opposed to hey if i got five offers to come into my house it's it's just five different contracts with numbers on them but if somebody wrote me a letter you know, stating how they loved, you know, the tire swing in the backyard and I could raise my kids here and here's our personal story. You know, me personally, I wouldn't necessarily take the highest price. I'm going to take the the deal with someone that I connect with. And then you're going to remember them. You're going to remember them. Yeah. People, you know, especially if you're selling a house, you don't want, you know, you want to know who's buying it. You want to know they're good people. Yeah. You don't want some jerk buying your place. It depends. But that's on your, hard now. A lot of people are debating that. Is that yeah. right to to put a letter out there? This is this is business. This is you know you're trying to you feel manipulative. There. Yeah, it feels. I don't agree with that. No. Uh-uh. Interesting. I didn't realize that was happening. Uh-huh. Well, all they're doing is they're selling themselves in the sea of buyers. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to make yourself stand out. Yeah. Differentiation. Mm-hmm. Other than like I said, a whole bunch of contracts that have numbers on them. Yep. And, and one thing that's going on now too, especially with all the, the multiple offers and stuff, we're trying to find properties before they hit the market. So, you know, someone like me who's been around 16, 17 years that has a network. If I have someone looking for something specific, I know who to call that kind of specializes in that niche. You know, a year or two ago, we used to be able to get them in that house before it went live and give them an opportunity. Yeah. Um, now they're trying to pull back on that. Everybody has an opportunity to see the house. You know, you don't give someone special permission to go see a house before it hits the market. Right. I don't agree with that. We're salesmen. We're you know we're there to to sell a product and and provide service for our clients. With the notion of people coming to Tennessee from California, I've heard you use the phrase "Don't California my Tennessee." <laughs> did you? Did you come up with that? I did not. I did not. Just put it on a T-shirt. But uh, we actually, there's a again not to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm going to. <laughs> we we me and some other realtors that I'm friends with that kind of have the the same belief system. 
we said we wanted to uh, make a rule that if you're moving from out of state, you have to live here for three years before you're allowed to vote. <laughs> you can't move from someone else and vote the same way from something you just left. What are you seeing, though, with people coming in from uh, California? All joking aside, yeah. I'm, I'm, I actually did a podcast that, that I remember. You, you did yeah. um, from someone coming from L.A., they're sick of it too, man. Yeah. They're sick of That's it. That's why they're moving. That's why they're moving. Yeah. They don't feel safe. They don't feel like their tax dollars are being spent properly. They feel like they're paying too much and not getting enough. And I think people are just, they've had enough. And they're putting their foot down and saying, no more. I want to go somewhere where I feel more appreciated. And this isn't ones and twos. Right. I've sold more I have helped more people from New York, California, and Chicago in the past two years than entire 14 years combined before yeah. that. Are they more red thinkers or blue thinkers? Most of them are red thinkers. I would have to. Now, imagine. you also have blue thinkers that don't fully buy into everything that right. they see there's some freedoms here that they don't have right that they want to experience that and see what it's like but was davidson county always blue how it is now as far as i remember the was actual it? yeah the actual city right um has always been relatively blue now that's all major cities right. for the most part right but um, you get out to williamson county it's starting to get a little purple right yeah <laughs> again I, let's go right back down that rabbit sure. hole again. it's no longer red and blue yeah you know with a lot of this stuff that we've seen over the past month you realize that it's not really red and blue what do you yeah. think it is control and not control those that have the power are going to do whatever it takes to keep the power politicians versus uh they're going to tell everyday you, people they're going to tell you what they want you to hear yeah and they put two different jerseys on, but they play for the same team. That's kind of always how it's been, though. It is. But it's a lot more evident, and they're playing more in the light now than ever mm -hmm. before. I, I think a lot of stuff, again, whether you like him or don't, 45 did a lot of stuff that exposed a lot of that. Well, he did a lot of common sense stuff, too, that helps you know normal people, whether they admit it or not. Mm -hmm. So I mean, well, I think I think the scary thing for me is a lot of people flat did not support President Trump because of his personality. They know very little about what he actually did yeah. for our country, um, and that's scary. That's scary that people can can go that much on emotion and feeling. And not be able to compartmentalize and go, oh, yeah, he's a little bit of an asshole. Yeah. yeah. I'm an Alabama football fan. Nick Saban's an asshole, too. Yeah. But he wins a lot of football games. Yeah, he gets results. <laughs> and, you know, if, if it, it's like the person that swears a lot. You know they're being truthful mm -hmm. with you, typically. Um, but you got to take what comes along with it. You know, that's similar situation. I learned a long time ago, I, I have a very my radar goes off when somebody's very charismatic. If that makes sense. And they're being a salesman. <laughs> if someone's, yeah, if somebody is very charismatic, 
I feel like you're you're BSing me. Right. Yeah, and, and I, th- I would imagine a lot of that's going to go by the wayside. I think a lot of what happened was the media drove everything. Oh, God. The you media's... Know. The 2020 was the year of the media. How much better off would our country be if the media went black for three months? It's still have social media. I do not believe... <laughs> I do not believe that we as a society have polar opposite opinions on everything like they make it out to be. Well, that, that best serves them to spin oh, that narrative. Okay. I used to work for channel four news and I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. After a couple of months, I was like, Oh my God, like yeah. how do you not walk out of here? It'd be just depressed. It's like it's just negative. Yeah. They say if it was, it, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Sex sells. It's just like, God, that's a, that's a horrible business model. <laughs> on another podcast, we had Kelly Sutton on. Remember, you know who she is? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. She uh, she worked in the news business for a while as well. I worked in for talk radio back in the day. Uh, but I said, the best thing about the news or the funniest thing were those friggin' news teases. Oh, yeah. Something... Tonight, you know, something on your stove could kill you your, and your entire family. <laughs> Find out what it is tonight. I mean, they would do that all the time. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what is it? Tell me what it is because I don't, you could kill my family. <laughs> I got to wait till 11 to freaking find out. I saw something the other day after Cindy the Lake. It was Shep, Shepard Smith. Yeah. And he was doing, you know, something about a, a hurricane. He's like, this will kill you. This will kill you. This will kill your kids. Do you want this on your soul? Yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. What is it? Find out tonight at 11. Oh, God. Scary news teases. And it's funny because Opie and they've been coming up a lot today. Opie and Anthony, that uh, old radio comedy duo, the Shock Jocks. They used to do a whole thing. They would have people from all around the country send in their local news teams yeah. with yeah. scary news teases. Hilarious. <laughs> what? What do you mean that something in my attic could kill me? Like, oh my God, there's a virus with a 99.9% <laughs> recovery rate. All right, You're now, all now. Gonna die. The virus is real. Come on. Oh, it's real. I know it is. Have you been, uh, do you do the wear the mask in public and stuff? Or? <sighs> it depends on my mood. Me too. You know, it's sometimes like... If I want to get into a fight, you Yeah, know. sometimes I'll just, all right, I'll comply, just not make it. And sometimes I'll just... Well, that's the thing. I'll is, wear it and I'll look you square in the eyes and say, say it. <laughs> uh, and it, you got, it, it depends on how you look. If you're safe, if you look safe to say it to. Yeah. I don't think I do. Well, again, it's it's a real thing for yeah, sure. Sure it is. I mean, I, my, my father-in-law had it. It was horrible. I uh, wouldn't wish it on anybody, but... Right. There's there's no evidence that suggests that nasty rag you're pulling out of your back pocket and putting over your face. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect it's, it's you. Vir- it's virtue else. signaling. And you're you're touching your face more. You're. It, I'm just not buying it. Well, I mean, everywhere you go, people are worried. I mean, around here, I'm actually taking a trip next week down to Florida, and I'm curious how people react. Oh, Florida's great. Florida is great, but I got to drive through Georgia. <laughs> So I mean, it's we just got to figure that out. I mean, anywhere as long as you, you go, go around Atlanta, just don't, don't, don't. I mean, I'll go around, them, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'll, stay, I'll stop for away. you know stopping and getting gas and going to the bathroom. But I mean, you look at um, even today, I went to Kroger and I had, I had my sunglasses on, no mask, 
I've, you know, I got a completely shaved bald head with the goatee. Yeah, I look a little intimidating, right? I'm even I'm pudgy. <coughs> Excuse me. But I had one, I have yet to have anybody say anything to me. I know people who have had things say said to them. Right. And I like you. Has that happened to you yet? Somebody say something to you? No, I mean, I've had people ask where my mask is. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'm, I'm very respectful. So I, I, I do agree that if that's somebody's business, then they reserve the right, right. to tell you that, you know, as long as you're in their establishment, totally respect that. But um, what if you have a doctor's excuse or a medical reason? Again, you're, you're generalizing things and lumping things into, into one category. And, and it's just scary for me to see people that will do what they're told without questioning the motive. I just think it's one of those cultural fade-ups or fade-downs, yeah. slow fades. That's what they say. Slow fades would get you in trouble. It doesn't happen overnight. No. And uh, you know, I think, I think the, what, the, the, the line in the sand will be, okay, now you're going to wear two masks. People will just be like, oh, come on. The come line on. in the sand is going to be... If you don't take the vaccine, you're not allowed to do this, this, and this. That's already happening. That's when you're going to see people take a stand. Hopefully. Good thing. Hopefully. Well, we've gotten pretty deep on that. We've got a, a lot of different rabbit holes <laughs> so here. So back to man. Windows. <laughs> yeah, Windows and what your problem is. we got a lot of problems to solve, for sure. Nick, where can people find you? I'm everywhere. Um, <clears throat> website, nickwoodard.com. They can get your podcast there, too, as Podcast well, right? there, yep. Um my, my podcast guy set that up real nice for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Instagram at Nick Woodard Realtor, uh, Facebook Nick Woodard. But uh, usually, you know, if you want to get in touch with me business wise, just shoot me an email. Go straight to my website. Right on. Well, yeah. with that being said, we'll wrap it up. Won't take much more of your time. Thank you for coming all the way out to the Thanks compound here, me, bud. the Big Dot Compound. And of course, please go to What's Your Problem where you can share, subscribe, rate, and review all that fun stuff. And uh, let us know if you know somebody who would like to be on the podcast, or if yourself, if you want to, you know, tell, come on and tell me your problems, and uh, I'll haphazardly try and uh, stumble my way through uh, solving them. With that being said, again, Nick, thank you for coming out here, brother. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. This is the 615 Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review at nickwoodard.com forward slash podcast.